You're listening to the Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative podcast, but you can call us Ari for short. Each month we look at what's going on in each cropping region, focusing on those pesky weeds. We're going to be talking to Steve Powell, the director of ARI, and we're going to be referring to a paper called The Frequency of Herbicide-Resistant Wild Oat Populations Remain Stable in Western Australian Cropping Fields. So you may be thinking we're probably going to focus on wild oats, and that's correct. How are you going, Steve? Yes, all good. Thank you, Jessica. So... In regards to wild oats, people who have been cropping the last harvest may have noticed some wild oats popping up through their crops. And obviously this can be a bit of an issue. Why would this be something to be concerned about, Steve? Well, wild oats, and there's more than one species, there's three in Australia, but uh, we won't go into the details of that. Wild oats, uh, pretty much everybody can recognise, and they are an important global weird of crops. They're number one weird in a number of countries, for example, Canada. Uh, in Canada, in the big cropping areas of the prairies of Canada, where wheat and canola are the major crops, then uh, wild oats are the number one crop weed. But here in Australia, our number one weed is ryegrass. And wild oats are an important crop weed, uh, certainly in higher rainfall areas, but um, generally across the nation and in the northern part of Australia um, and the summer rainfall areas, wild oats can be a quite severe problem. So wild oats is a major problem in Australian cropping, second to ryegrass as a weed, but an important problem that we need to always control. And in the eastern states, I understand people sometimes refer to wild oats as black oats, but they're pretty much the same plant, is that correct? There are three species of, of wild oats, and they're all avena species, and there is confusion, of course, as to what species is, is what, but wild oats and black oats are two terms that both refer to avena weed species. So they're pretty closely related to commercial oats which are also avena, so they're wild forms of oats. So given that wild oats is a global weed, why is it still sitting behind ryegrass in Australia? Is there circumstances behind why that's the case? Yes, there are several factors why ryegrass is the big weed that it is in Australia. And the primary reason is, as many farmers know, as many farmers have done, ryegrass is a pasture plant and ryegrass was seeded across the nation when the sheep was king. The sheep is no longer king in, in many areas, but um, there are many farmers today who early in their careers have seeded in their paddocks, which are now devoted to cropping, seeded ryegrass, or certainly the preceding generation did. And so ryegrass was seeded from coast to coast uh, as a valuable, and it is a valuable, pasture grass when the sheep was king. And there are still... Um, Plenty of farmers today that seed annual ryegrass and various forms of uh, varieties of annual ryegrass as a pasture feed. But of course, it's become the number one weed of crops as we've greatly increased our, our cropping. So the fact that we planted ryegrass uh, means that it's the number one weed that we have of crops. But also, there's some other factors that it's highly genetically diverse, so it quite easily evolves resistance to herbicides. I mean, after all, ryegrass wouldn't be a problem if 
all the herbicides still worked, but they don't because of resistance, and partly that's because of the fact that uh, ryegrass has got a lot of genetic diversity and because it's a diploid. Now, what does that mean? I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. Wild oats, was it introduced to Australia as well, or what's its history? It was introduced accidentally probably many, many times. Uh, probably when the first grain seed was uh, introduced to Australia, potentially even on the, on the first fleet there would have been wild oats infesting that grain. And so because wild oats is so almost ubiquitous in various parts of the world, so wild oats got here many times from many different places, but it was only ever accidentally uh, introduced. It, w- it was never consciously seeded like ryegrass was. So it's always remained uh, somewhat patchy in comparison to, to ryegrass. There are several factors why uh, wild oats is not the problem that ryegrass is. Now, I don't want to diminish the problem of ryegrass and, and uh, wild oats, and especially wild oats. It, it can be a real problem for those farmers who've got it. Uh, but our surveys show, for example, that herbicide resistance in ryegrass is almost everywhere now in the Western Australian wheat belt and in significant parts of the whole nation. Uh, whereas if you take Western Australia, almost every cropping paddock or field has got herbicide-resistant ryegrass, but less than 50% of them have herbicide-resistant wild oats. And the amount of resistance to various herbicides in wild oats is much less than it is for ryegrass. So that's because of of a number of factors, but ryegrass easily evolves resistance. There's much less resistance in wild oats. And there's some really interesting science about why that is true. I have to concentrate on on this to understand it, but uh, ryegrass is a diploid. That means there are two copies of each gene, whereas wild oats is a hexaploid. So it's got six copies of each gene. That's one of the factors that makes it more difficult for it to evolve resistance because if you just mutate one gene in one spot, you've still got five unmutated ones uh, for the herbicide resistance. So resistance uh, just doesn't occur as rapidly, in fact, much more slowly in a hexaploid with multiple copies of the genome than in than is true in, in a diploid like ryegrass. Secondly, it's self-pollinated. Now, ryegrass is cross-pollinated, and everybody who sneezes in spring knows that because ryegrass pollen is floating on the wind and can pollinate other plants where the pollen can reach them. And so it's easy for resistance genes to disperse and spread from one place to another by floating on the wind, whereas wild oats is self-pollinated. And so the the pollination is only occurring within the plant and therefore it just doesn't spread as far, disperse as far, and that's why you often see wild oats as a patch or patches. So there's a lot of interesting biology why wild oats is not the herbicide resistance problem. And, of course, many, if not all, our farmers know that because they've, in the same paddock they've used the same herbicide. I mean, the, the original herbicide of hoegrass, methyl, was used to control both wild oats and ryegrass, and many farmers saw that resistance develop first in ryegrass and then years later in wild oats. So we've got a very good understanding of it. Now, I don't want to 
diminish the impact of wild oats in Australia and certainly globally. It's a really important crop weed and farmers in this country need to keep on top of it. Uh, they can just ask any Canadian farmer and, and they'll, they'll reinforce that. You know, I always say that when on a good thing, don't stick to it with herbicides. That is absolutely true with wild oats. So I would say to any Australian farmer, when you're on a good thing, don't stick to it with herbicides. Rotate all of the herbicide options. There's a lot of resistance in wild oats to certain group A herbicides, but not others. And so rotate the herbicides. And that's how uh, we can continue to manage wild oats in Australian cropping. It's through diversity in all its forms. Many of the tactics of diversity will work on wild oats. Quite a bit of wild oat seed shatters before crop harvest, but nevertheless, the work that uh, Michael Walsh did here in Ari clearly showed, and work in South Australia has also showed, that um, around 50% of the wild oat seed can be harvested in uh, using the, any of the techniques of harvest weed seed control and be, that seed can be destroyed. So while it's not as effective, the techniques of harvest weed seed control are not as effective on wild oats as they are on, say, ryegrass or wild radish. They still have a beneficial effect, and that's one element of diversity for most farmers. The biggest um, and most powerful tool for diversity is the rotation and use of different herbicides active on wild oats. And through that diversity, plus that biology I've talked about of wild oats, it's possible to continue to manage wild oats in Australian cropping. I'm confident that Australian farmers can do that. There is a degree of resistance though in wild oats, isn't there? Oh yes, I don't want to imply, I don't want farmers to be complacent about uh, wild oats. As, uh, since the 80s, the most commonly used herbicide against uh, wild oats and ryegrass has been the Group A herbicides, uh, initially and particularly ograss, methyl, and then many other Group A herbicides and and surveys right across the nation. So uh, our own surveys conducted here in Western Australia by Michelle Owen in Ari, uh, surveys in South Australia and Victoria by uh, Peter Batsalis and Chris Preston at the University of Adelaide, surveys by John Broster in New South Wales and surveys by Michael Widerick and others in northern New South Wales and Queensland have shown that there's a lot of resistance in wild oats. For example, in, in Western Australia, around 50% of the wild oat samples uh, that Michelle Owen tested uh, were resistant to, to hograss. But there was much less resistance to other Group A herbicides, things like Clethodem Select or a number of other Group A herbicides. Much less resistance in wild oats to those herbicides than in ryegrass. So there isn't any doubt there's resistance and considerable resistance uh, to herbicides in wild oats and you can't be complacent about about wild oats because they're a nasty crop weird. All right well thanks for explaining all of that Steve. You're welcome Jessica. So I'm chatting with Greg Condon he works for Grassroots Agronomy and he's also our extension officer over in southeast Australia. How are you going Greg? Well thanks Jess yourself. 
Yes, not too bad. Just recovering from some food poisoning, but you know, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. But we were focusing on wild oats. I just chatted with Steve before and we wanted to get your perspective on how much of an issue wild oats has been over in your region. Yeah, very much. It's a big issue. I guess uh, whilst ryegrass dominates, uh, wild oats is number two in terms of grass weeds for our region. And as you push further north uh, into that transition from the southern zone into the northern areas, it's, uh, it, it possibly would be their biggest grass weed for the winter the winter cropping systems. So uh, I guess the challenge with wild oats has always been, as we've seen, the adoption of harvest weed seed control and other tactics. We just haven't quite been able to nail wild oats as well, given its uh, ecology is um, being, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, shedding earlier with its seed set. Um, it doesn't sort of lend itself so much to those um, types of practices. So we've had to sort of, yeah, rely heavily on, on rotation and crop competition to sort of put pressure on, on wild oats more so than what we can with ryegrass. What have people been saying about the impact of wild oats this season compared to others? Uh, it remains constant. So I guess it, we don't see the big blowouts with wild oats like you do with uh, other other species like ryegrass or, or wild radish, but it, uh, it, it just subtly... Um, numbers slowly creep up and as the yeah the herbicide options become a bit limited particularly with group a's people become yeah more concerned and there's more resistance testing happening than, than we've seen previous with wild oats so particularly with cereal dominant rotations and the breakdown of certain chemistry in barley for example we've got limitations with with fop chemistry people are sort of having to sort of uh, you know, reevaluate what their herbicide options might be and and then how they can sort of uh, either manipulate the rotation or manipulate the crop types to introduce different herbicide groups and, and then again what other integrated tactics which are a bit more challenging a lot of they can uh, they can also use. And are agronomists and growers quite receptive to what they need to do with wild oats or is there some tips that you can offer? Uh, no, most have a, a handle on it generally, but I guess the challenging thing with wild oats is uh, understanding it, it, it's very opportunistic weed is, is a good description that the uh, the weed biologists tend to sort of put around it. So if there's uh, late season, yeah, late season moisture and crop competition not great, it will it will be quite opportunistic and put seed seed into the uh, into the system. But um, if it's got a competitive crop over the top of it, it uh, it tends to really struggle. So where we've seen this wet season recently come through in, in the southern region. Uh, there were a lot of uh, areas where crops um, unfortunately died due to the, the water logging so good old wild oats was opportunistic like a lot of other broadleaf weeds were but wild oats was able to uh, hang on quite late with um, available soil moisture and no crop competition and, and increase its seed production so that is a challenge for, for this coming season so yeah there will be strategies put around that as to how people use either pre-emergent post-emergent herbicides and, and crop type has a big thing a big influence so as uh, canola area will increase um, in, in the southern region along with lentils and chickpeas you yeah people have a lot more tools in those crop types to um to, to, to tackle wild oats definitely so as you sort of push in more arid areas like into some of the lower rainfall zones the um yeah there's two things that, that, that push out there it's a, the fallow phase is is very uh, important for them to be able to control wild oats where they um, don't really want to use more expensive chemistry that we might have in higher rainfall zones and the um, yeah the the ability to to just control low density populations where they are in the low rainfall zone using fallows, particularly chemical fallows with broadacre 
spraying or camera spraying, so that's quite an effective tactic. Well, yes, it's definitely handy to look back. We've all sort of gone over the Christmas and New Year period, but it's important to look back at what's happened and provide some feedback and advice for the coming season as well and how to tackle these cheeky weeds like wild oats. So thanks very much, Greg. No worries, Jess. Yes.